0: Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius and welcome back to the podcast at Fortress of the Mind. And in this podcast, we're going to be reading and discussing an email that I received today from a reader. And it involves a pretty interesting question, a question that I think many people have an interest in and would like to hear discussed. And the question centers around and revolves around the issue of living and working abroad, how to do it, what's the best way to do it, what do I think is the right way and the wrong way to do that. So I'm going to read his email here and then launch into a discussion of what I think the best way to handle his question is. He says, uh, Counselor Curtius, that's a pretty interesting salutation, he says, <laughs> Counselor Curtius, uh, huge fan, thank you. So he says, as an attorney myself, I am contemplating setting up shop in Colombia. While continuing my practice in state XYZ, I don't want to read the state off, but it's a Midwestern state in the United States. He says, I'm a solo practitioner, so I am free to work as I please, and I have a steady income after my first year on the job, which will probably increase significantly in about two years. I am 31. He says, uh, I lived in a city in China. He names a city, it's a, it's a medium sized city. I don't want to. Give the name of the city in case uh, I'm narrowing, narrowing him down with too much specificity, but he, he says, I lived in a medium-sized Chinese city for two years and traveled the world alone for seven months. I have little interest in making real money in Colombia, just enough to cover my overhead. My real reason is I think it would be an adventure, and it would also help integrate me into the community. I want to have an office and to be a solo practitioner any thoughts on the idea would be appreciated as not many people can really relate to the idea keep up the good work and thanks again All right. well this is a very good well thank you uh, reader for your email I appreciate it and actually this is a good question for me because I do know a little bit about the question that you're asking first off let me say a couple good things about this email that I like right off the bat This guy is obviously a go-getter. If he's 31 and he's already has already lived in a medium-sized city in China, and he's a solo practitioner as an attorney, uh, he's already well on his way to not buying into the nonsense. He didn't do the typical uh, ring and roll after you get out of law school and work for some big firm nonsense and uh, be a, a slave for them and put his own development on hold to chase after the politically correct jobs this guy's a go-getter this guy's out there doing his own thing this guy's a snake-eater which is what I like you know this is the type of person that I want to know and that I want to be associated with so so Bravo well done well done very very well done now what I also like about this question that he asks is he's already on the right track he basically says look I want to maintain my law practice here in the states, but I want to try to gradually integrate Columbia into my lifestyle or into my life somehow I want he says I want to make just enough to cover my overhead and he wants to find out what it's going to be like as an adventure and he wants to integrate himself into the community. so where to begin where to approach this uh, discussion of this issue? Well let's first start off and, and say that there's more than one way to skin a cat. If you want to live abroad, and if you want to work abroad, and I think everybody should do it, we're living in a world now of incredible mobility, of incredible fluidity, of incredible mobility. And a lot of the old rules do not exist anymore. The old rules uh, of uh, uh, you know work life that existed from uh, the beginning of the century up until about you know the 1990s; it just doesn't exist anymore. And you've got to do everything yourself. You've got to be your own corporation. You've, you've got to be your own boss. You've got to be your own uh, person and doing your own thing. And and this has been discussed many times before. I don't need to really go into this. Everyone, I think, already agrees with this. And this, I think, the of course the the, the seminal, groundbreaking work on this was done. Popularization of this was done with uh, Timothy Ferris's The Four Hour Workweek, which has attracted a lot of hate, I think, in recent years. Uh, it's been trendy to criticize Ferris and to point out some of the absurdities and excesses that he's uh, I think he may have may have uh, committed. but no one can really deny that his basic model was correct. that when all is said and done, what I got what I took away from his book was that you're already on retirement. you're not going to have a traditional retirement. The old model of working and then retiring, and then having a 20 years of blissful uh, puttering around, that's gone for most people. Now, my parents have that. I wouldn't want that. I'm not going to have that. But that generation has it. And the generations below me are certainly not going to have it. So if if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. So we've traded off some things. We've traded off the the stability and certainty of the long-term employment for the uncertainty but yet, exhilarating freedom that comes with being self-employed. And when all is said and done, it's worth it. It's, it's at least worth it for me. It might not be worth it for someone else. I think a lot of it depends on what you're used to, your personality type, your comfort level. Everyone is different. And everyone is going to have to decide for himself or herself. Unlike a lot of people, I don't think that everybody should be self-employed. There's nothing wrong with being employed. Absolutely nothing wrong absolutely nothing wrong with it some people will, will take it too far and say well everybody should be working on the internet and uh, uh, spend their time doing this and doing that on the internet no no I don't agree with that and I've written about this before in one of the articles on my site qcurtius.com. I think the title of the article was you need to think carefully about your educational choices you know I don't agree with the model you should just blow off college and just do nothing and just be an internet entrepreneur and no wrong that's a quick way to financial ruin for many people, for most people. And there may be some people who can work it out, who can do it. And there's nothing wrong with with, with having a side income and doing. But I, I don't think that should be your main focus. I think you need everyone needs to have some sort of trade or skill they can call their own. You need to have skills. You need to have a trade. You need to be able to do something. You need to be able to do something you need to be able to define yourself. Because if you don't define yourself, other people are going to define you for you. And you can say, oh well, I'll just tune all that out. Well, it's easy to say that, but let's, let's see how easy it is to do in practice. In any case, the Timothy Ferris model was revolutionary. And I think many people have gained a huge amount, myself included, from reading his book and from starting to apply a lot of those principles. Now, a lot of of his book is filler and fluff. You know, there's a lot of these worksheets and questions and stories and things. but, But if you distill it down to its essence, essentially the points are sound. Have a skill. Start spending time away from your job. Start taking trips and slowly start to make those trips get longer and longer. And eventually you'll be able to split your life between your life here in the States and your life abroad. And that's what I think. The advice that I would offer this guy who wrote me this email, you know, if you, if if uh, if you want to target Colombia as your country that you're interested in, well, this is this is the thing. There's several different ways to live abroad. The traditional, the old-fashioned way is to do it through you know getting a corporate job or working for the government and being stationed there. And that works for some people. The problem is you're you're kind of still in a bubble. You're still in that uh, bubble where you're insulated from a lot of the raw experiences of your country. And not only that, you're not really building yourself. You're building up a, another company, and pretty soon you're going to have to come back to the States anyway. So that's not, I think, the best way. I don't think that's the best way. The other model is you could do something I think is the most dangerous model, which is basically throw caution to the wind and actually go and try to set up a business in that country. And it's interesting because I read a few articles on this recently. There was an article on Bloomberg.com that talked about this, about a, looks like a Japanese-American guy. The title of the article is, I've got it in front of me here now, it's called A New York Pizza Man's Brazil Nightmare and the Mess It Exposed. And this is an interesting article about a guy named Sei Shiroma. And this guy was a pizza maker in in, uh, in New York City. And I guess he married a Brazilian woman and he moved to Rio and he tried to set up his own pizza place. And I think it's still there. It's called Fejo e Farinha, which is Portuguese for iron and flour. Great name, great name. Fejo e Farinha. And uh, he had to go through a nightmare to set up this business. And this is something that that Americans don't really understand, that a lot of Westerners don't really understand. When you go to some countries, they are not small business friendly. The level of bureaucratic red tape you're going to have to put up with is insurmountable. You're going to have to pay off 20 different people. You're going to get scammed. You're going to get ripped off. The property that you may think you own, you you will find out you don't own. Uh, now, again, I'm not trying to sow fear and self-doubt into people, but what I am saying is, if you're going to do this, you damn well better do it the right way you better have family members or or close friends down there in whatever country it is you know uh, you know and it doesn't even have to it doesn't really matter what economic level of development it is it can be any country even countries where people speak english i think you're you're entering into uncharted waters and it really should only be done unless you do a site survey and you study the issue exhaustively and i mean exhaustively and even then maybe not even then Maybe not even then, because the rule of law, the court systems, the structures that are in place are not what you're used to. And this article is great because it talks about all the agonies this guy had to go through to start up this business. And it matches my own experience. I dated a girl in Rio for a couple of years, a very nice girl. She was a um, uh, a hairdresser. and We call it uh, a yeah, that's the Portuguese word for uh, a hairdresser, cabeleireira. She had a hair salon in Ipanema. Very nice place, but she was always stressed out, working all the time. She had to pay taxes, the I mean the overhead was incredible. Uh it, it you know, I think she enjoyed doing it, but it, it, she would she would just tell me that look the bureaucracy that you have to put up with to have a business here is just inc- incredible. Uh, you know, the the people that make the real money. But then, then I knew a guy who retired and he worked for um, Petrobras, which is the major petroleum company in Brazil. It's a government job. And this guy was just swimming in money. You know, the, the, the people that have the real money down, in, at least in Brazil, are these government workers, these corporate people, uh, these doctors, uh, they've got the big money. The average guy is um, is really hustling to survive. And that's just what I've seen. There's another story of a a guy, a French guy, who tried to set up a French uh, bakery or a French pastry place in Rio. And and essentially, he almost went insane with the bureaucracy. Because people don't understand, you know, you've got... It it can take all day just to get a license, just to get like a driver's license or some piece of paper. They bounce you around to all these different offices. And my feeling is, I don't want to deal with that. My feeling is, make your money here and you play... Or you know you you have your life split, and you know you, you're not you're not dependent on someone else for your income. I don't like being. I like to negotiate from a position of strength. That's always been my view of the world. I like to negotiate from a position of strength, and everything is a negotiation. Everything, everything. And you have to have, you know, you can't argue with money. It's one of my, uh, uh, I think, uh, phrases that I've adopted here. Uh, you can't argue with money. You can't argue. You can't argue with money, and if you've got the money, you can call the shots. You know, if you have, uh, this guy's got a law practice in a midwestern city, and if he's only if he's just starting out as a sole practitioner, he's in his early 30s. He's well ahead of the game. You know, bravo, well done. You know, but it's going to take years to build the practice. He should start. Building up his client list slowly and surely, doing a good job, letting the word get out. Start to build up his client list. And during the year, take trips. Start to go to Columbia. The first year, take a couple trips that are maybe, you know, seven to ten days. The next year or in following years, take longer trips. Take trips of two weeks, three weeks. Uh, in the fu- then in the future, a few little bit of time goes by. Take longer trips. Be gone for two months, three months. And gradually, you will work the traveling routine into your schedule people will get used to it you'll find that you'll be able to teleconference you'll find that you'll be able to communicate with clients by either whatsapp or skype or email or whatever people will adjust people will adjust to the reality that you create people will adjust to the reality that you create but you've got to start you know you've got to get the ball rolling so that's that's my opinion of what the best model is I think I think ultimately I, this is what, essentially, to to put it in a nutshell, I think this guy should start growing his practice now. He should learn Spanish as completely and as thoroughly as possible. Do his site research on the country. Learn the language. Learn the culture. Learn the people. Learn everything you possibly can about Colombia. Because then you'll be the one that knows more about it than anyone else. And no one will be, will be able to, to talk shit to you. Nobody. You'll own them. You'll teach them. Colombian history. And as you gradually travel down there, you'll build up contacts, make friends with people. While you're down there, keep a low profile, but at the same time try to meet people. And you will slowly develop your self-employed situation where you've got a split life. You're living half your life up here and you're living the other half down there. And as the years go by gradually, you will be able to make a transition, hopefully, eventually, where you may be just totally gone. You may be just totally gone. Now, I haven't worked out all the nuances of how to make that complete permanent transition, but I think the gradual method is the best method. I think the gradual method is the best method. I don't think it's a good idea to try to just open up a business in a foreign country. I don't think it's a good idea to buy property in a foreign country. Again, just my opinion. There, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get emails. Uh, Quintus, you know you don't know what you're talking about. I've got a property in Botswana, and it, I get all this rental income, and it's great, and and that's fine. That's fine for me. I don't want to deal with it. I do not want to deal with that. I think liquid cash is where you want to be. Liquid cash trumps everything. Now, pode argumentar com dinheiro. Remember that you can't argue with money. You get the money, you call the shots. And it's as simple as that. And the most stable financial system is still here uh, for all of its flaws and weaknesses and complaints that we have with it. You know, you try, you try appealing to higher powers or authorities abroad, man. You, 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 you're, you're barking up a tree. Trust me on that. So I think this guy should begin to establish himself in his job, try to make frequent small trips, and gradually transition at some point. Now, how long it takes, I don't know. Everyone is different. Everyone is different. But at some point, I think you do want to ultimately try to be outside the U.S. for the majority of, of your time. For me, anyway, because I just I just like being... I, I Once you get the travel lifestyle in your blood, you just don't want it to be in one place for any long period of time. But I think that's the best way to do it. I've got a friend... One of my friends here lives in the same city as I, I do. He's an attorney, but he does mostly just uh, real estate stuff. He's just a property guy. He married a Thai girl. And he spends like three months, four months of the year in, in Thailand. He's just gone, you know, and he handles everything from his laptop. deals with his, his tenants, deals with everything just from his laptop. He gets it all done that way. And, and he seems to have found a way to make it work you know you can do it it is possible it is possible you've just got to visualize it and you've got to do it but you've got to do it smart and you've got to do it gradually and eventually people will adjust to the reality that you create and you will gradually transition yourself out of the picture here and pretty soon all that will be left will be just the grin just your grin just your smile just that Cheshire cat smile I suppose I should explain what I mean by that. It's kind of a, a story that... Um, it's a, I'll try to explain what I mean by that, The Grin of the Cheshire Cat. Um, when I was a kid, I used to like to watch Carl Sagan's uh, series, The, the um, Cosmos. And I even bought the book, and I still have it after all these years. And I've got it on my desk here right beside me. And... I used to like it because it would just take you away. You know, it was one of these mind-expanding uh, shows. And you know, when you're in a, when you're a high school kid, this type this type of stuff really makes an impression on you. I still does, I think, in many ways. But there's a great passage in Carl Sagan's book Cosmos when it's called the chapters on the lives of the stars, and he's just talking about what what it looks like as a group of. Uh, uh, you know, what happens to a group of objects a group of people as gravity increases and as we drastically increase gravity from uh... one g which is the earth's gravity up to like the, the gravity of a black hole and basically he uh, he uses these characters from alice in wonderland like alice uh, the mad hatter the cheshire cat there's a lamp there's tea there's uh... it's kind of a you have to really see it to really appreciate it but it's just a, a thought experiment as to what would happen to physical, uh, material objects as they approached the gravity of a black hole. And he says that um, uh, the beam from a lanterns travels perfectly straight at a few Gs as it does at zero G. At a thousand Gs, the beam is still straight, but trees have become squashed and flattened. At a hundred thousand Gs, rocks are crushed by their own weight. Eventually, nothing at all survives except through a special dispensation, the Cheshire Cat. When gravity approaches a billion g's, something still more strange happens. The beam of light, which has until now been heading straight up into the sky, is beginning to bend. Under extremely strong gravitational accelerations, even light is affected. If we increase the gravity still more, the light is pulled back to the ground near us. Now the cosmic Cheshire Cat has vanished. Only its gravitational grin remains. So you may say, well, what the hell does that have to do with what you were just talking about, Quintus? Well, this is what it has to do with it. It's an analogy. Everything vanishes except the Cheshire... Well, the physical objects vanish, and all that remains is the grin of the Cheshire cat. And that's what I think is a good analogy for making your transition abroad, for eventually transitioning your life to a life abroad, or a life split between the United States and somewhere abroad, Eventually, everything will vanish. Eventually, gradually, as time goes on, you'll be uh, vanishing more and more and more. And eventually, you will be completely gone. And all that will remain is the grin of the Cheshire Cat. That will will be all that remains. And I think that's a, a good analogy, at least to me anyway. You can use that as your analogy as you make your transition to the international traveler that you desire to be. So hopefully that answered your question. And this will conclude this episode of the Fortress of the Mind podcast. Maybe I should start calling this Questions for Quintus since I'm answering so many questions these days. QQ or Q Q squared. Maybe I should start calling it that. Who knows? Maybe in another life. But until next time, we will... See you back here at Fortress of the Mind. I am Quintus Curtius. Good night.